So uh, we were talking. We talked a little bit last. A weird form of like continuity from one episode to the next. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure how much of that I'll edit out, but but yeah, we we started talking and then decided to not talk about it in the last episode about this new uh, Star Trek video game that's coming out. I guess, but when this episode comes out, it'll probably uh, allegedly it will be coming out the next month after after this episode airs. Um, yeah, they're saying it's called. Star Trek uh, Resurgence. Yeah, so I'm is. really surprised I haven't heard about this. Yeah, I thought we had talked about it, but maybe not. Um, yeah, so it is a narrative-driven sci-fi adventure, but it, it's... Yeah, um, it, it, I, I'm looking at it now. It's made by a development team called Dramatic Labs, which is apparently just all the people that used to be uh, Telltale games. Yeah, Telltale being like a big, like, they were really known for like these, like, story driven like kind of choice based adventure yeah. you know things but uh yeah it's like I, I think there's like a bit of like action in it and then i think it follows multiple characters and you're kind of jumping around a little bit um between different characters um but also i've seen like a trailer or two for it and like they have a, a voice actor who is playing spock so spock appears on the show and so or in, in the in the game in some form i think there might be one or two other recurring characters too it's it's set shortly after uh tng i guess is according to to this so also apparently there is a there's a comic there's a tie-in comic uh of course there is i which i steadfastly refuse to read like any tie-in things of any of any series basically (laughs) i I have thought about breaking that rule because there is a lower decks um there's a lower decks comic that is written by ryan north who do you know ryan north is no i don't think so He's the uh, you would know him uh, for being the dinosaur comics guy. Oh um, really? Okay. Yeah, but he does a lot of like Marvel comics work now. That he's he did like Squirrel Girl and a bunch of other things. Um, I think he's writing Fantastic Four right now, actually. But um, man, dinosaur comics. Those were yeah, days. which which is still still going. I, I I like dinosaur comics still. Like when I I don't check it every day anymore. Um, but like I I think it's a good comic, and he's he's very funny. He's a good good Twitter follow if you're on Twitter. Yeah. Um, was but, he? Uh, was it him and David Malky that did uh, Machine of Death, or was it? Uh, those two and one other guy. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Machine of Death. I which I submitted to. Yeah. Uh, a few a few Got different close. stories, but. Yes, I did with one of them. You can read that on my Substack, uh, anotherland.substack.com. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, there's this, this game's coming out, and it's um, it looks kind of interesting though. It's like a it's like a full like you know seemingly like triple A ish game. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've had one of those in a long time for a Star Trek thing. So um, yeah, yeah. There's you're on the Starship Re- Resolute, and there's two different. Uh, uh, main characters you play as and um, yeah, you kind of have these choice driven conversations which you get in a very telltale um, and yeah. you know you do interact with Spock on the show and then it says expect to see a, fam- a few familiar faces uh, mixed in so I'm kind of curious I don't know that much about the show but I, I I I will say it's coming out at kind of a bad time for me for video games have we talked about this very much like in our in our personal lives I don't know that we have, no. The absolute glut of stuff, stuff coming that's out? coming out right now that is like specifically appeals to me. Are you playing uh, so, Fire Emblem Engage? Or? Yes, I bought that uh, this week, and I've been playing it, and I'm competing with my wife to play it. 
she is she is watching my watching the kids right now while I'm doing this podcast, and I'm sure she is playing it as we speak. Um, how does it also, compare to? I mean, I'm sure it's it's been out for just like a couple days, right? But how does it compare to Three Houses for you? Uh, well, it's interesting because Three Houses. I like Fire Emblem games a lot, but Three Houses is like one of my favorite games. Period. Yeah, and I remember that was one that you really got into. And it is very. It's it's not very different from other Fire Emblem games, but it's different in some ways in that like it adds like kind of some more of like some of like the life sim stuff that like you would see in a lot of other like JRPGs or things like that, where like there's always not always, but there for a long time you've been able to build like relationship links with the other characters that you're playing with. But like this one, it really takes it to the next level. And like, there's this really f- interesting like feedback loop where, where you're, where you're kind of like, Oh, if you take someone to tea, then they like you more. So you can teach them these weapons, and, and there's a lot more of the customization there, and like, and the story is really good. And I and I loved all that stuff. And then I played a bunch of Fire Emblem games, you know, all the way through, or at least in part, like after that game, because I was like, I I want some more of this juice. Plus, I just like that. I like tactical RPGs generally, and a lot of the other ones are fun, but none of them are quite at that level. And then. It's it's very interesting because Three Houses also I think is the most successful Fire Emblem game that has ever been made, or at least it's certainly the most successful one that's ever been on console. I think, I think yeah, I think it got the most kind of mainstream. Like I think it, Fire Emblem was one of those things where like everyone knew they existed, but like no one had actually played it other than people that were really into Fire Emblem. Well, J- Japan has always like loved it, but um, but yeah, then like they were going to like they made Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS and that was supposed to be like the series Swan Song and that that game did really well too. I think that's the only game that would come close to like rivaling like how how well Three Houses did. Uh, and the only thing I know about that one is the the Pro ZD video with where he like asked his grandmother to name the Super Smash Brothers characters. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Lucilia from Fire <laughs> from Emblem Awakening. Awakening. For the 3DS. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the and that game, that game is very good too. If you if you have a 3ds, uh, worth 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 checking out. Uh, Fire Emblem Awakening, but um, that's probably my second favorite Fire Emblem game after after Three Houses. But um, it's funny because Kim has only really ever played uh, Three Houses, and and Engage is like very much them being like, what if we did a normal one, like like where just it, like, it's just a Fire so Emblem far. Game. Yeah, so far it's very much more straightforward. Like, there still is those social links and stuff, but like the amount you can customize your characters has been stripped way back. And so far, anyway, like the ways in which you can socially interact with the characters for like mechanical benefit has also been stripped way back. And also, I think it's also just like a smaller scale game because one of the things that's kind of crazy about Fire Emblem that really led me to put like probably close to like three hundred hours into that game is that there are three different story tracks on it. And so, like, the first half of the story tracks are the same. And then, like, after that, you get to, you have to basically make a choice about, like, what you're going to do, which is which is basically associated with this choice you make at the beginning and of the game. of like which like, three different full video games. Yeah. And so, and this one, I think there's just, like, one story track, basically. And, and so, yeah. uh, I am enjoying it. Like, I just think the Fire Emblem, like, the battles for Fire Emblem, like, are basically always good. I don't think I'll like it as much as... Um, Three houses, but I wasn't sure whether I would. I mean, there's not a lot of games I do like as much as three houses. So. Yeah, yeah. I, so I am enjoying it, um, but yeah. So on the day before Fire Emblem came out, um, thank you for listening to Ryan and Brady's video gaming podcast. Yeah, well, whatever. This is our show. We'll do. We'll talk about what we want to talk about. That's right. So the um, the day before 
uh, Fire Emblem Engage came out, uh, Persona 3 and 4 came out on consoles. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Because 5 was the first one you had played. Right? Like, that was your like, yeah. kind of like introduction to Persona, right? Yeah, which I loved. And so I bought I bought 3, and then when, when I have a second, when I have a moment, you know, I'll buy 4. And... Uh, but like Persona Five Royal, I played last year, and probably it took me about 140 hours or so to beat it, and um, which for me now is a long time. That's a, like, that like, is a lot of time, yeah. Like uh, that, that, I probably played that game for like six months, and and that was like basically the only thing I was playing. <laughs> and uh, so, like, if Persona Three is even, I'm guessing it's probably not as long because because it's an older game, but I bet you it's still pretty long. And so I have that, and I have Persona 4, and I have uh, Fire Emblem Engage. Breath of the Wild is coming out in May. I was about to say, yeah, the next um, Zelda game. Did I tell you? I may not have told you that I, I got a Switch over Christmas. No, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, it was one I had like, been thinking about, and then basically I like we bought a Switch and then like was able to like ask for a bunch of games uh, like for Christmas that I got nice. from people. The main thing I've been playing with it is the, the new Pokemon game. Um, uh, 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 Scarlet, Scarlet and... Violet. Yeah. Oh, I've heard that game's really buggy. It's slightly buggy. It's mostly just like graphically. It's like disappointing for a game from like a major studio in 2022. Yeah, I've heard not great things about it. Yeah, I, it I liked. It's it's like very fun. It just like doesn't look good. Um, or, or it's like they they put a lot. I think what happened is that they put like all of their sort of like time and graphical power into like the models and like the like close up models and animation of like the pokemon during the battles mm-hmm. and then like everything else just like feels very just kind of like oh like it doesn't matter what it looks like we can just like put up like the frame rate is terrible as soon as anything is more than like a foot away from you mm-hmm. and I, I think also like this is really inside baseball now but I, you know i think that they split their team uh because they i have heard that yeah be- because they were working, they also made that Legends Arceus game. Yeah. Legends Arceus came out like really, really good, and this and like the sort of main one was just like, yeah, yeah. it just feels. But yeah, like the game itself is. I mean, it's also like my first Pokemon game since like Gen Two that I've actually sure. played. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and like that is very much my style of game is the like sort of like collecting like catching them all and like building up a team and like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've really yeah. been enjoying it, but I, I did also get uh, from my brother-in-law breath of the wild. And so I haven't like that. That's when the, like the little I've played, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be a really, really good game. It was really going to suck me in, but I'm kind of wanting yeah. to, like, I was, I'm sort of dedicated to like finishing Pokemon first before I really dive into that. But, but yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. play breath of the wild, which is just incredible. I am a, I am a person who has bounced off of Zelda like a bunch of times because Kim loves yeah. Zelda and I've tried and I don't like most Zelda games I've played. And it, even I am like, oh yeah, Breath of the Wild, that's a good game. That rules. You'll, you'll, you'll like it. It's as good as everyone says it is. Um, uh, yeah, so I will definitely be playing Tears of the Kingdom when that comes out. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm kind of like getting distressed. I was just like, I don't have enough time There's to play no all these time. things. Like, uh, like, and... Yeah. Yeah, and then Resurgence, I've been looking forward to this game because I'm like, oh, cool, like a Star Trek video game, I'd play that. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to, you know, at least not for a while. But um, 
You know, and, that, and that's like, you know, assuming that like Silk Song doesn't come out this year, which is like the F- Hollow Knight sequel and, and things uh, like that, uh, where, yeah. you know, um, anyway, this has been anyway. Video Game Corner. Now, like, we, we've been talking about power plays. Now we're going to get into power play. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And today we're talking about Power Play, uh, which is Season 5, Episode 15 of Star Trek The Next Generation. It is written by Renee Bulker, or Bulser, I'm not sure, and Herbert J. Wright, and Brandon Braga, and Paul Rubin, and Maurice Hurley. The first three were Teleplay. And the uh, last two were story by, and it was directed by David Livingston, who directed the last episode uh, yeah. of the show that we talked about. Um, so I think he's, I think, I believe he is the most prolific uh, director, director of of Star Trek ever. I think. Um, let's see. That wouldn't surprise me. I feel like he is, yes. comes up a lot. Yeah, sixty-two uh, episodes okay. he directed. Um, only two uh, TNG episodes, though, so this is one of them. And then 17 DS9, 28 Voyager, and 15 Enterprise. So he also wrote uh, the episode The Nagus of DS9, which we have talked about on the uh, show. Oh, yeah. Pretty good episode. Um, so, anyway, the uh, Memory Alpha synopsis of this episode is Alien entities take over the minds of Data, Troy, and Miles O'Brien. Miles O'Brien gets a full name credit. It's his full name, yeah. Yeah. I so. mean, I guess technically Data does too, but... That's true. Data, Data, Zoom. Yeah, so, uh, this is, a this is like a fun episode. Uh, yeah. I feel like I had to do a little bit of work on the back end to kind of, like, justify part of, like, the way that the denouement happens, where it just kind of seems like... This is, like, one of those things where it's like, well, if anyone... If, if people had had, like, a conversation, like then the episode wouldn't have had to happen. But, um, uh-huh. but like, maybe that's kind of the point. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, it is also, it, it's one of those, like, I feel like alien entities take over the minds of members of the crew is, describes quite a few, like, I can't think of any of them specifically right now, but I know there's, like, multiple episodes of multiple Star Trek shows. Yeah. With kind of the same premise. There are better ones than this, I think. Yeah. Weirdly, I think there's there's a really good, if I recall correctly, a really good episode of DS9 that is about this, where an alien takes over Keiko, which is kind of funny because Keiko is an important character in this episode, in this one, but yeah. instead, Miles has been taken over and is threatening Keiko, and I believe in that episode, that episode, it's the other way around. Interesting. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, but so so basically, the so the episode starts out with they're like picking up a distress call from this planet that it has like a bunch of storms and everyone thought was uninhabited, but it's a Starfleet distress call, and they're like, well, this is from a ship that disappeared like over a hundred years ago, um, and was kind of like presumed missing, and like its captain was never seen again. And so they're like, well, we'll like send down a shuttle and figure out what's going on. And so they send down Troy and Data and Riker. Um, and the shuttle crashes and Riker breaks his arm. And then they're all kind of like going around trying to, to 
survive and like trying to get back to the ship and they're like well the transporters won't work and then o'brien is like well if i there's a chance i can like get the transporter to beam me down and then if i take like the the like signal enhancer things we can set them up down there and then beam everybody back up Mm -hmm. which is like at first i was just like i do find it like an interesting star trek thing that i kind of like is that like these signal enhancers are a sort of like established thing they have that has been in multiple episodes i feel like or at least like those props i feel like they use for a yeah. lot of things where it's these like like rods with a little like point on the top and three little like tripod legs that they set up and they have to like put them down and like twist them and they light up yeah it's one of those like, things where it's just like everyone should be more afraid of this it's like it's like do you i sometimes think about that where it's like i think for me it's like every time that i went onto a transporter i would feel like the same way as like the, the times in my life when I've gone into surgery yeah. where I'm just like, everything will probably be fine, but also maybe I'll never wake up, you know, like, 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 you know what yeah, I mean? It like, just like the kind of thing of just like, yeah, maybe, maybe Hoshi Sato wasn't as crazy as we all thought. Yeah. Um, that episode is called the, the assignment, by the way, uh, the, is the, uh, is the, the DSN with, episode with Keiko. with Keiko. She gets her body taken over by a, t- a paw wraith. And then she is threatening, she is threatening uh, Molly again and O'Brien. So they're kind of shoes on the other foot. Molly has been through a lot for being like eight or whatever she is by the time all of the, her appearances wrap up. Mm-hmm. But my other thing with those is, well, first, first of all, when, when O'Brien like beams down, he's just like, yeah, there's about like a 50-50 chance that I'll make it. And maybe it's just because this is coming on the, the heels of the episode we watched where like the whole thing is that is about like seven dying and like you know each have sort of arguing of like it, there is a lot of like talk of percentages of survival and in this one mm-hmm. it's like one second where o'brien is just like i'm gonna go down and save him there's a 50 ch- percent chance i'll just like fully cease to exist and picard's like okay well you know what you're doing um <laughs> and then they go <laughs> and then he goes yeah the other thing is like why don't they just have like a set of these pattern enhancers always with them. Like, why yeah. wasn't there one on the shuttlecraft just like in case something happens and we need to beam back? I feel like the, the amount of times in Star Trek that like there's a plot device of like, oh, there's interference and we can't use the transporters. Like, yeah. apparently we just had to bring three of these little rods with us. But anyways, mm. <laughs> but just as they're getting these things set up, like everybody gets struck by lightning and like passes out and then you see these little like balls of light energy sort of like go into their bodies they look like um this is gonna bother me because i don't think i'm gonna be able to actually make the pull but like do you remember like it's there's an old like um opening like production logo credit that has like a little like it's like a little like ball of light that it's like um is it the one that's like that is making a little like buzzing sounds like yes yes and then like over yeah what, top of it. what yes what, what is that, that? <laughs> what that's that's gonna drive me insane now but that's what it made me think of it's like not, no because the muppets one is the one where it's like a like it's like a laser cut out right yes our brains are the exact same because i <laughs> at first i was like is it the muppets thing and then i said the I same thing i was like no no it's might laser. actually also be like maybe it's just like jim henson we gotta we gotta um, we have to we have to figure this out now um I think it might be because there's like the the one with like the laser that cuts out the Kermit head. Yes, it's not that one. No, that's it. Yeah, is it, is it so Jim Henson Productions? That, 
after like the Kermit logo, then it goes into like it's just Jim Henson Productions. Okay, that's at least that's the one I'm that I my mind went to. I don't know if it's yeah okay yeah because it's the laser, the laser turns into Kermit and then yeah this is exactly what it is. I'm looking at is it. Yeah, the laser turns into to? Kermit okay. and then there's like a flash. It's like there's like a lens flare that then becomes this little bug that like creates the Jim Henson thing. Okay yeah wow that's I'm looking at it now that I'm like yeah that's definitely what I was thinking of like do you do you see that like. Uh, I, yeah, well, I get to, yeah, just that. Yeah. I, I also like, <laughs> I do really like that. I feel like you did not describe very much detail, and I was just like, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, we both we both watched a crazy amount of Muppets when we were that's kids. True. So, yeah, anyway. And, and after. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I have a list, I have a running list of, um, the best movies of the nineties that I've watched, which, you know, there I've still got a lot of holes, uh, uh, certainly cause I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of movies in the nineties, but I think Muppet Christmas Carol is like number four or something right now. On that list, so I like the Muppet slot. So I've, I've definitely seen that, that old logo quite a bit, but that's, yeah, that's what it made me think of. I think because mostly because like these, these things, they go into O'Brien and data and Troy, and then one of them goes it makes like it's going to go into Riker and then it's like, it kind of is like, uh, nope. And then it kind of like, yeah, like bounces away, yeah. and it, which again, it, 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 it has like a movement that's like very similar to like that production logo, the old Jim Henson production logo. But um, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. This just kind of like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, so he's okay. He's, he's, uh, and we yeah. later find out it's because he broke his arm uh, that this happens. Yes. Yeah. And like, apparently like they don't like pain. This okay. This did bug me though because it's like they don't like pain, but they get f- phasered multiple times, and like and just kind of shrug it off. Yeah, yeah. Like they like they, it doesn't hurt them at all. But it's like phasering does. I I think it's been previously established that phasering hurts. Like when you if you get if you get yeah if you get stunned by like a phaser. It stunned, yeah, it's like, it doesn't feel like good. But maybe it doesn't hurt bad enough. I don't know. Um, I don't know. And so then they all get like beamed back onto the ship and. There's like a couple scenes where Data starts trying to convince Riker, like, "Oh, we need to like start searching on the south pole of the planet for the wreckage of of this old ship." And then like Troy kind of takes Picard into his ready room and starts saying the same thing. She's like, "I felt a lot of like life forms, like living things, and they're all on the south pole, and like that's where we need to go." Um, mm-hmm. and I think like Picard and like her and Picard are still talking. And then Riker tells data like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to keep searching where we were. And then data, like data and O'Brien kind of like knock out everybody on the bridge. And like, they really hand warps ass to him, which made me feel bad. Like that. This is like, this is like one of those, one of those things where people talk about like that Worf is like the least competent, like, security officer of all time because he just yeah. like, o'brien like does i, I like guess like karate you know, chops him in the back of the neck yeah yeah i i guess later on like you know we see them not getting phasered so they must have some sort of like supernatural strength or something but it's just like he just he just like kind of hits him and like he he like throws him over the top of the of like the like the bridge yeah. like a like a wrestler like and i was like oh man this is embarrassing for him yeah uh, yeah Worf doesn't look doesn't look great in this episode. <laughs> Although, but, but, but I do, 
Maybe my favorite part of the episode, actually, though, is Worf's performance, because I think that he... Michael Dorn is giving a really good performance in this episode, but yeah, it, the stuff that they make him do is not, like, great, but I do yeah. I do like what, what Michael Dorn is bringing to it, for certain. Yeah, because, yeah, it is kind of... And I mean, like, this, this, I think, has been talked about of, like, the Worf effect, where, like, anytime you want to show that your villain is, like, especially powerful, you just have him beat up on Worf, because, like, that's impressive yeah but then if you do that too much then Worf actually looks less good yeah um but yeah and so so they kind of take over the bridge and then how do they get them off the, oh they like either picard or Riker like locks out like transfers control of the computers away from the bridge Riker does i think yeah yeah to like engineering or something and so then they're just like okay well like so then the three of them like troy and o'brien and data leave the bridge and like take off down like the hall sort of running away trying to get back in control of the ship well so when they're walking down the hall there's a moment where they pass i don't know if you probably didn't notice this but like there's walking out and they're just passing by like random crew members who like don't know you know mm-hmm. what their deal is yet and they pass by this guy who is just wearing like He's just wearing like a normal shirt and then like dress slacks and a belt, and it's it's so weird. <laughs> like guy. he just looks like a just a, a regular guy, like and everybody else is dressed like Star Trek characters, and he's just like I'm just going, I'm going to work. Like it's very <laughs> strange. Um, Kim and I both were just like, what is that guy? What? Like <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So they go to they go down to ten forward. They take and some. They, they end up in ten forward. Where there's, there's a bunch of like just like people kind of relaxing and so they and like most notably um keiko and molly are there yeah um and then wharf comes down later to try to wharf and like a couple of security officers like come in and that's when like they start to they try to phaser them and yeah like o'brien and troy troy just like blasts everybody yeah it felt it felt like marina sears was really relishing getting to play this getting kind of a person because this is not the kind of so, thing she yeah. usually gets to do yeah she's good in this she, she is good in this yeah i feel like she you do kind of like wish that she got to have more of a personality more of the time because i feel like she did really lean into it yeah um of just like okay i'm gonna be like sinister and evil and smart than all of the rest of you instead of just like having to be like Everyone feels sad. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she's... And we talked about this last time, but, like, she just... Yeah. She she really tries her best, which, I don't know, it's, it's... It's it's a bummer what they have her up to all the time, but I think... Yeah, you know, it, it does she, feel like she's, she's really like She's really trying to... her acting muscles more in this than she gets to most of the time. Yeah. And, of course, Brent Spiner is getting to do his thing. You know, his, <laughs> yes, like... Yes, he's getting to be, like, cartoonishly evil. Yeah. Um, yeah, Colm, I don't think gets is quite as successful. Like he, he kind of his character is kind of like a, a big dummy sort of like. Yeah, just, I didn't quite get because like he'll sort of periodically like multiple times he kind of comes over to Keiko and he's just like, I know you. But he like talks like a caveman though. He's like, Yeah, we, I know you. Uh, you know, like, and it, yeah. but it's like, but, but that, nothing ever weird, comes like, of that. Like it doesn't, especially they, Troy. Like you, like. She talks like she just kind of, like, immediately understand, like, she has absorbed all of, like, Troy's 
memories and like personality. Like she knows who Troy is because she's like, oh yes, like this in this situation, like I would be the one that would be like in the captain's advising him to do stuff, and like this is what I think he's gonna do. And and yeah, and O'Brien is just like his mind is like grinding to the point of just like this person looks familiar. Well, maybe that maybe that guy that that spirit he's just like that guy's a dumb guy, you know. Maybe yeah. Maybe they hired they he brought him along to be the muscle, you know. Yeah, I guess so. Um, um, but yeah, so he'll like periodically kind of like come over and threaten Keiko and Molly. Yeah. So, but yeah, when Worf comes down, they 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 kick Worf's butt again. Although again, yeah. I, I, this is not entirely Worf's fault because Worf does shoot them and then nothing happens. <laughs> so yeah, which is never complete. I, yeah, and again, like like he said, like. With, like, if pain is what does it, and, like, phasers apparently don't bother them. Like, it's never fully explained why, like, phasers just don't matter. Like, I get, like, data, but even, like, the rest of them get shot with phasers, like, on multiple occasions. And just kind of, like, don't look like they even notice. And then just, yeah, like, shoot everybody. Um, (laughs) There's a, a pretty fun stunt where one of the other, like, security officers that comes down with Worf is, like sort of running and then gets shot and then jumps into the air to like crash into a glass table. Yeah. That's very fun. But yeah. And so then like basically they they have a bunch of hostages in 10 forward now. And then they also like, because data and O'Brien kind of have their memories and like, know this is, I think like the one thing they were able to do with O'Brien some, because they like know the ship well enough, like they keep being able to, try to take over the ship systems or like counteract whatever sort of like engineering stuff the other ones are trying to do. So like they try to like get the transporters working and O'Brien's just like, Nope, you like, I know the transporters better than any of the rest of you. So I can yeah like keep you guys from hijacking those and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And so they're like trying to blackmail Picard into taking the ship to the South pole. And then for a while, they, they tell him that, like, we are the, like, the crew of that other ship that crashed 200 years ago. Like, Troy mm-hmm. is the captain, and I think Data is the first officer, and O'Brien's head of security or engineering, like, some, somebody else. Yeah. And Picard's like, well, like, if you were just, like, other Starfleet, like, the spirits of other Starfleet cap like, people like why wouldn't you just tell us what was going on and ask us to go there instead of like immediately resorting to like guns and karate chops and troy was just like well because you wouldn't believe us and like you don't trust us and (laughs) picard is just kind of like i don't trust you because you've like shot at me now yeah i guess that's true this this is like a weird thing like he ends up being right because they do end up being like not those people they're just like they are evil aliens but yeah i guess i guess that's true he doesn't believe them because of that but it's like but but it feels like they they kind there's kind of an indication that he doesn't believe them like right away like even before that like before they reveal who they are and i was kind of like i don't know like i feel like if you had just come to him and been like this is our deal like they he probably would have believed them like or like there's no reason for him not to because again this is one of the things where this is an episode of star trek like stuff like this can happen like the you you mean if they if they had pretended to be the the crew or if they because like they're actually like like, if they pretend to be the crew like straight away right like well i don't think they're they're working i think they're just criminals i think think it's just like because that's the other thing too is that like 
I think if they had just said, uh, look, we're a bunch of criminals who were sent here to like the Phantom Zone 500 years ago. Like that, that's like cruel and unusual punishment, please. Yeah. Us. I think that the, the Enterprise probably would have been like, oh, yeah, we'll try to figure something out for you guys. Yeah. Because also, like, they don't really have, they don't really seem to have like an end game. Like, they're kind of like, all right, well, we just want to stop being in stasis. Well, I think they want to like let it, like, take over the bodies of everyone else on the ship and then they like maybe have have bodies and they have a ship and they can go wherever they want but it felt like they were if i feel like they they didn't want to like be in these people's bodies forever that they were kind of like yeah we just want to like not be here and i was like well what i don't understand like what the what the end game is at that at that stage but i don't know maybe maybe not maybe i'm just reading too much into it i don't know um but yeah i guess that's (laughs) That's kind of been just like all that, right? There's like a lot of just kind of like kind of negotiating back and forth. And during this, like Picard is kind of trying to stall for time or like possibly negotiate with them. And then meanwhile, Riker and Jordy and Crusher and Ensign Rowe, who's in this episode, which is always yeah fun to see, um, are trying to like come up with like, is there some way we can drive them out of these bodies and then like, trap the the, like spirit so they can't get back in and so they're like well because they figure out that like the reason they didn't go into Riker was because of pain somehow they figure that out and they're like well if we can like send some sort of like sonic pulse or something that'll like put them in a bunch of pain and drive the the spirits out and then we like flood the room with some other thing ionogenic particles yeah that like disperses them or like traps them or something and so so then like Jordy and Roe are like crawling through the vents with this like I don't even know what to call it like a big it's a, a plasma inverter is what it's called yeah uh. it's like a big barrel with like handles on the side so they can like you can use it, it to invert and... to invert plasma whatever yeah. whatever that means I guess <laughs> and so they like they try it but it doesn't work because like they ha- all have to be like within like a specific radius and then like right before they do it data kind of walks out of it and so then that is a very funny scene though because they get troy and o'brien and they they scream they give this like insane they they both are like Like, yeah it's very good (laughs) um but yeah but then like because data wasn't affected then like he like threatens to that like if they don't put them back then he's going to kill picard and like all the rest of the people in the room and so they turn it off and they go back in their bodies but they've kind of like established like, okay, like now we like know this way to like drive them out and stop them. We just have to like get them where we want them. Well, that's not actually what they do though. At the end, they don't do that. I think they do the, whatever the thing crusher was working on, like ionic particles or containment field or whatever. Uh, But they basically, I mean, they're basically just like, we're going to suck you guys all into space unless you go away. Yeah. That's what it seemed like to me. Um, maybe there are some also it, it some has something, particles. They, yeah. they do something that like prevents them from, like it like locks them in that room. I think. Yeah, this is like one of those things where it's like the ratio of like the solution being science, just kind of gibberish. They words. did a science like is I think a little bit too much. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like terrible, but like I think you you'd be careful in a Star Trek that you're not solved by like oh we did a science to it. You know, yeah, we did. The deflector and the particles and the inversion. Yeah. And then that's what did it. 
Yeah, because Picard gets them to go into this one specific shuttle bay where they can do the science, and then also where they can blow the shuttle bay. Yeah, because basically he says, like, there's something where, like, they're like, get to the South Pole, and and O'Brien's like, I need a transporter now. And so they somehow agree, like, okay, you can have, there's, like, a transporter in this cargo bay. And, like, Picard kind of, like, negotiates over the radio so the people on the bridge, like, understand what he's talking about. And Riker's like, well, there's only one reason that he would have picked, like, that specific shuttle or cargo bay, which apparently is because, like, it's one that can just be, like, blown out into space, I guess. I thought they all could be like that, but I guess not. Yeah, I don't know. Because I know there's there's one or two other episodes where they blow out a cargo bay and then, like, they have to, like, hold on to stuff in TNG. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah, and so they go to the cargo bay and then start to, like, activate the transporter and, like, all of these little, like, glowing lights come into it. And then that's when Troy gets to kind of monologue about, like, what's really going on and be like, ha-ha, we were never the crew of the Essex ever. We just, like, had taken over their bodies when they came here trying to do the same thing, and that's why we have their memories. But, like, we're really just these, like, prisoners that were all, like, trapped in... (laughs) <laughs> like you said, in the Phantom Zone on this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, now we're, like, going to transport all of, all hundred of us, like, onto your ship and take over everybody's bodies and take away, the, and, like, fly away in the ship. And then Picard's like, no, you've actually, like, played right in my hand because now I have you all in one place. And so I can just, like, unless you go back into prison, I'll just blow the cargo bay and like all of you will die in space and kind of does this thing where he's like because you have like the memories of these people you know that like you know me and Worf are like totally fine like are willing to like sacrifice ourselves to save everybody else on the ship Mm -hmm. and that like you know Troy and O'Brien and Data also would be and Troy is just like "Ah, you win this time but you'd better never come back again yeah, you better hope we never cross paths again, or something like that. And then they send them all back into prison to the Phantom Zone. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then they fly away. Well, yeah, and there's and there's, there's, there's one scene afterwards where Data's like, "Sorry that I did that to you, Worf." And Worf is like, "That's fine." And then he's like, "Your your restraint was most remarkable." And Worf says, yeah. "You have no idea." I, I, so yeah, I thought like there was Dorn, a lot of like sort of Data kind of keeps going up to Worf and being like. Ah, you stupid Klingon, like, why don't you, like, try to fight me? And and Worf is just, like... I mean, like, that does show, I feel like, a degree of maturity and restraint that kind of is one of those, like, good moments of growth for Worf, where, like, he is, Mm -hmm. like, no, like, the more honorable thing for me to do is just, like, show that I am not afraid of you, and, like, I realize you could kill me if you wanted to, and I don't care, but, like... Yeah. Me just, like, kind of, like, pointlessly trying to fight you doesn't prove anything or like help anything and me like staying with protecting my people in the way that i can is the more honorable thing to do yeah he he was i did like him a lot this episode where he where he you know like when he's like staring down data and he's like i have no fear death and then you know at the end when he's like uh to die defending one ship is the hope of every klingon you know and he just i don't know he just like has like such this like defiant look on his face the entire time like so e- even even though he kind of gets owned a little bit like he 
he's still just like, no, no, no. I am like, like be, being owned is a state of mind, and I, I refuse to be owned. In, yeah, you know, yeah, like, kind of like. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, just like watching this and being, man, I love him so much, and he really has like steadily climbed up for me. Like, he's one of my favorite Star Trek characters now. I think, like, I, I just think he's so great. He's, like, he's really good. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, like one of those that. Yeah, like, it took a while for them to, like, realize what they had. Um, yeah. Or, like, I feel like it was, like, misused for a lot of his early run. But, yeah. Like, but then even, like, that kind of is turned into, like, character development, where, like, mm-hmm. like they kind of then get to show him, like, sort of, like, get more mature and grow, and grow right, up. Like, the you old know? dwarf, like, might have done this differently, but, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. And, and then, yeah, it's just, like, it's such a... He liked Tim Russ. It's like he's just Michael Dorn is just like always, always, always just completely locked into like the thing, you know, like yeah, like every every line delivery is is spot on. For yeah, sure. yep. So he was. It's not his episode, but I was kind of like he was the guy I was digging the most in this. I yeah, think. yeah, for sure. But um, I will also like so so that 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 last scene like. Yeah, like, Data goes up and apologizes to Worf, who's, like... But then they have, like, they kind of finish with, like, Miles goes up to Keiko and is just, like, I'm really sorry. And, like, and Keiko's just, like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm just happy to have you back. Which I feel like she deserves a little bit more... (laughs) Like, for being, I think, the person who, like, went through the most trauma in all of that, of, like, having to watch, like, the father of her child threaten her and like yeah. the baby like terrorize them basically i don't know i feel like she deserved to like be shown kind of going through that a little bit more than just being like well i'm just happy to have you back and so is molly the end where i'll ha- i don't know yeah i mean I, I like keiko possibly the most like sort of like poorly used of any I, character. I thought she was all right in this episode, though. Like, I thought she gave like a good performance. Yeah, I think, that's, I think she does a good it's, job. It's, again, it's, like, that's yeah. a hard. That's a hard like button to land on. But like, I thought she did a pretty good job. Like, I, I think, I think Rosalind Chow is like pretty good. And then in DS Nine in particular, they kind of really do a lot of character assassination on that character, which is kind of a bummer. But I think, yeah, like, when, at least the ones I've seen, it seems like she always just has to be like nagging wife <laughs> yeah but when they allow her to be good like she's good or like you know in the assignment uh the episode we were talking about earlier where she has to play a bad guy who is taking over like she's like actually like scary like in in that episode mm-hmm. where she like it's way more like aggressive and sudden in that episode but basically the episode starts and she's like oh i was just she's been down because she's like a, she's like a botanist or and so she was like studying some plants or something on on bejar and while Miles has been watching Molly and, like, running things at, on the ship, and she, like, comes home, and, like, as soon as she's alone with Miles, she's like, hey, I am possessing your wife's body. I will kill her and our daughter if you don't do exactly what I say. And then she, like, to show that she can do it, she starts to, like, choke herself, basically. Like, Oh, wow. And, and it's, like, and you're just, like, immediately, like, it's very, like, visceral, and you're just very, like, oh, okay, okay. Like, you know, it's it's very, like, bracing. And so, like, I think that she can do really good stuff when she's allowed to, but she's not, you know, one of the many women from the 90s Star Trek who were failed somewhat by the, the writing teams a little bit, so. Um, yeah. Although I, did, I generally like her more in TNG. I think she's not quite as 
they yeah i feel like she gets to be her own character more in tng instead of like an accessory to o'brien stories yeah even though i love o'brien but um so uh this is a this is a season five uh tng episode and it's you know it's pretty good but next time we're going to talk about a season five tng episode that's very good uh because next time we're talking about season five episode two Darmok, one of one of the best Star Trek episodes ever, probably. Def- definitely, yeah. I, for me, definitely a top five TNG episode. Uh, so very excited about that. Um, I think it's been a, like well, Devil in the Dark. I think is very good, but I think other than that, like we haven't had a lot of like really like great A bangers. Uh, or, or yeah, is there not very many classic episodes as of late. So very excited about this. This is this is this is like the definition of a classic. Uh, I think I think this is probably. I have to look, but I, I would guess you. I would bet you that this is in like the top ten episodes on like the Hollywood Reporter 100 best Star Trek episodes list that they did. You know, prior oh, prior yeah, to I would, Paramount. I would guess this is on most. Yeah. Kind of like best lists. So anyway, very excited about this. So you can come back in two weeks for that. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. You can follow us on YouTube at Out of Contracts. You can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com. Or you can visit us on our website at outofcontracts.podbean.com. Contracts is spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. You can also check out the other shows on the Kaleidoscope Media Podcast Network. There is Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There's That's Not a Science Story, which is a science and pop culture podcast. And there is Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. So check any of those folks out, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.